This podcast is brought to you by The City Church in Mississauga, Ontario. For more information, please visit thecitychurch.ca. We hope you are encouraged by this message from our lead pastor, Frank Coulter. You know, I, like I said, the reason we're just showing Grinch this morning is because Grinch for me is just growing up. Grinch was my movie. Grinch was the movie, you know, back in the day before we had um, TV guides on our television. We, we used to have to get the paper on Saturday. Does anyone remember this to get a TV guide? And so whenever we got our TV guide starting in December, I would scour the TV guide every week looking for the Grinch. And I was going to, you know, mark my calendar, you know, for in, in the 70s there when I was between, I guess this movie came out in 66, I was born in 69. Those of you who aren't good at math, I'm 45. And so this, this movie for me, I would, and if I ever missed this movie, I mean, Christmas was almost ruined for me because, you know, we, and there was no, you know, VHS, there was no beta, there was no DVDs, there was no streaming services, there was no YouTube, so I couldn't like find it again. You had to wait a whole other year to watch The Grinch. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, we, we enjoyed it more. Our kids today, you know, they can just get it any old time. They don't even care about it. It makes me sound old, but um, I'm really not. And so when we, you know, when we are young and we are younger, that, you know, we, we look at life very simply, I would say, and then as it relates to Christmas and as it relates to actually being a happy person, which a lot of times when you're young, when Christmas rolls around, you're automatically going to be happy, you're automatically going to be joyful. And, you know, as you listen to the older people talk, and especially if you come to church, you, you kind of wonder what's wrong with the older people. Why are they always talking about life's difficulties? Why are they always talking about things that are hard and hardship and, and tests and trials? And, and you kind of think, I don't have any tests and trials. I don't know what's wrong with all of the older people. I, my life is good. It's easy. And then you grow up a little bit and you live a little bit and you kind of have, you know, a very romantic view of happiness and joy when you're young. Uh, you, you just sort of think it's going to be automatic. You just think, well, you know, when I get to this age or when I get this job or I get this spouse or I finally want to buy a house or all these different things and there'll be some sort of straight line to happiness or joy. It'll just be automatic in my life that I'll just find and discover happiness and joy. And then, you know, get a little bit older and something happens to you or you, you lose a friendship or you go through a breakup. Um, and then you, you find that life isn't actually a straight line to joy or a straight line to happiness. That it is sometimes a, a jagged road that we're, we're walking. And we're going through these difficult times and we kind of can get really disappointed. Has anyone really been disappointed? And then, you know, you, you hit Christmas time when you're a little bit older and you think that Christmas is going to provide the thing for you that you need that you've been maybe missing all year, that your, your Christmas celebrations, like when you were a child, is going to give you that joy that you had searching for the Grinch in TV Guide. And then it doesn't pay off. Or, or you maybe you experience a year where you lose a loved one, and then you're having to go through Christmas with that loved one not around. That Christmas was, a lot of it was rolled up in knowing this person and whether it was a mom or a dad or an aunt and uncle or even worst case scenario, a child, that Christmas was wrapped up with these people. And then so Christmas can't. 
provide the things that it used to when you were young. That, that this romantic view of joy or this romantic view of happiness kind of goes away and it goes away kind of harshly the older that we get. And that if we keep living like this, we can really experience uh, a complete lack of joy, which is despair and sadness, and then ultimately can result in apathy. Just kind of, I don't care, or cynicism, that just sort of a negative view of life. And as we think about our relationship with God, we, I think we should ask ourselves the question, does God want me to be happy? Is it, is it really, some, is that something, a small thing, or is that not that important to God? Does God actually want us to enjoy life? Is it something that would come from God, or would it just be uh, for those of us that are, you know, weak, we got to think, well, i got to really enjoy life. But is God interested in us having, in, in simple terms, a happy life? D- d- despite the roads that we're facing sometimes, despite the sideways things that happen to us that cause us to lose our joy or to lose our happiness And so for the next few weeks, the next four weeks, we're going to just talk about these things. I'm just going to remind you of some things that you already know uh, from the scripture. And if you've been in church uh, at any period of time, you've heard some of these things. So there's not going to be new information. But uh, the Apostle Paul a lot of times would say, and Jesus would say, again, I say to you. And sometimes we don't necessarily need to hear something new. We just need to be reminded of the things that we already know so that we can live those things out. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn with me over to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. And here is the great declaration about Jesus coming to the earth. Now, I know, for those of you that maybe think that I don't know, I know that Jesus wasn't born on December 25th. And you should know this as well. He was probably born sometime in the spring. And uh, so we, we don't want to fight a fight about that. We don't want to, you know, we, we know that Christmas has become very commercialized. But we are... <clears throat> As a, as a church and really as a nation, uh, a lot of westernized countries, they are celebrating Jesus' birth. And they're going to be singing about Jesus in the mall. So I don't think we should come down on it, um, even though it's not completely accurate the day he was born. But the fact that there's a lot of Jesus conversations going on at Christmas time where Jesus conversations generally aren't going on, I think it's a good thing. And we should join in the celebration. The Christian church should be kind of joining in the celebration about Jesus coming to the earth and then finding out, maybe like the Grinch, that Christmas maybe means a little bit more. That it's not just something in a store. That it actually, there is some great meaning for our lives about Jesus coming to the earth. Luke chapter 2, verse 10. And it says this, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is... Christ the Lord. This announcement, the angels were announcing this, that it would be great joy for our lives. Great joy, great happiness. That we would experience joy. That we would understand about happiness because of this declaration. Because of Jesus coming to the earth. So God does desire for us, as we're going to see here through some of these verses. God does actually desire for you. To enjoy life. He's not against you being a happy person. He's not against you being a joyful person. This is not something anti-God. That it is actually something that can come from our relationship with God. Philippians chapter 4 verse 4 says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. 
Now that word rejoice, really don't use it a lot today, but really it just means to be joyful. It means to be glad. It's, it's sort of a state of being. It's not just because of something is happening the way I want it to, or Christmas, or the Christmas season is going exactly how I want it to be, or my life in general is going on exactly how I want it to happen, or everybody's treating me the exact right way, or saying all the right things to me. That the scripture is telling us, hey, be glad, rejoice. And, and kind of we would say, well... Okay, well, give me something to be happy about, and then I'll be happy. Give me a, a thing, give me a surface something, and then I'll find joy. If you do something for me, then I'll be joyful, or I'll be glad. But really, these verses are talking more about a state of existence versus something that just might be happening to us, and then we would be glad. Psalm chapter 1, verse 1, says this. Blessed is the man. Now, let's just pause for a second. Now, that word blessed... You know, or, or if you've been around church and you diff, maybe different groups, we would say it this way, blessed, blessed, blessed is the man, or blessed is, and really that word blessed, part of the meaning of it means just to be happy, to be joyful. And, and if we, if we think about it in that context, in all the places in the scripture where we see this word blessing or blessed, that God wants us to understand about life, how to live a joy-filled life. The scripture says that Jesus came that we would have abundant life, not just church services in a certain way, but actually our living, our day-to-day living, we could experience joy, we could experience blessing. That's what the word blessing means. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. So partly this this first part of this uh, psalm is telling us, here's some things not to do. If you want to experience a happy, joyful life. Who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Now, has anyone ever done that? And afterwards, you sort of took advice from somebody. And then you found out afterwards it was bad advice. You know, maybe from a grumpy person. Maybe from a Scrooge or a Grinch. That, you know, they're just negative about everything. That their outlook on life is negative all of the time, 24-7. And they, you know, they're just the way they're looking at life. And they come and they've got some advice for you. And they tell you some, you know, cynical advice. And then you follow that cynical advice. And then it doesn't work out the way you want it to. And so it says, blessed is the person, happy is the person, joyful is the person that's avoiding bad advice from wicked people, from negative people, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Verse 2, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law he meditates day and night. Now, for to bring this thought or this verse into the New Testament, when we read the word law there, a lot of times we just think do's and don'ts. But if we bring the idea uh, into the New Testament, under the full narrative of Scripture, understanding that Jesus came, understanding the story of God that we see about Jesus coming to the earth in Luke chapter 2, that I'm going to be meditating on the story of God, that I'm going to be thinking about God coming to the earth in Jesus, and what that means for my life. What does that mean for how I live? What does it mean for how I live as a husband, as a dad, as an employee, as an employer? What does that scripture mean to me as I'm thinking about the ways of God, how God is designed for us to live. 
when I'm meditating on that, is it going to make a difference in my life? Is it going to help me to be joyful? Is it going to help me to be blessed? And I would answer that it would. Yes is the answer. Verse 3 says this. He is like a tree planted by the by streams of water that yields fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither in all that he does he prospers so we have okay we're going to be blessed how are we going to be blessed well, we're going to avoid certain people we're going to avoid certain situations we're going to be happy and joyful and then it says this this person this blessed person is going to be like a tree planted by streams now if you've ever seen a stream Generally, there's taller trees the closer you get to the water source. Now, when we think about trees that are growing near the water source, that their root system are touching water, their root system is touching the water, but their, the upper part of the tree is facing all of the elements, it is facing all of the weather, the same as the other trees that aren't so large. The big trees are by the water source. The smaller trees, the further you get from the water source, the trees aren't as strong. They aren't as big. But the big trees and the small trees are all going to face the same storms. They're going to face the same wind and the wind and the rain and the winter time is going to come. And there's going to be times where you know the sun is scorching the trees. But it talks about having roots. It's, it talks about having our roots in God. That there would be something about the root system of our lives, not just the top portion of our lives, not just the part that everybody sees, but the root system of my life would go down deep and it would go down deep in God. An understanding about who God is and then what God says about my life, what God says about how to experience life, how to live life. We're going to be avoiding these certain types of people, avoiding these certain types of situations. That's good. That's important for us to do. But that's not all that life is. That he's telling us that our roots should go down deep. That we're going to be sustained from our roots, not from the surface. That things are, one day there can be a nice, happy, warm wind and something great go on in my life. But you know that thing isn't going to happen every day. And, and awesome things don't happen to us every day when everybody treats us perfectly and we can find a spot at the mall close to the front. Good things aren't going to happen to us every day. So are we going to be sustained by those things or because we don't have those things every day, we're going to sort of lose out on the joy of living. That the joy of living actually comes from sustaining our roots in God, not a thin or superficial happiness. But a fundamental happiness, a fundamental joy that's found in our relationship with God. And if we, if we think about this tree, that there's two things going on with this tree that is good, it's got a good, strong root system, but it is also facing the elements. Good, strong, and in touch with God, that I'm getting sustenance from my relationship with God. But then the top part of me is facing the elements. It's facing weather. It's facing situations. That the straight line to happiness, the straight line to joy that I thought I was going to experience when I was a teenager didn't come. And so how then am I going to find a joyful life? That our roots need to go down in God. That our relationship with God, and we see this in the scripture, 
that there is this simultaneous thing going on in our life that our roots can be strong and our roots can be in touch with God. And then there's also something else that I might be facing, something else that is going on in our lives. Now, when we think about the centerpiece of the Christian faith, uh, the cross, the, the cross tells us two things, that in the middle of it, we see terrible suffering, that Jesus is dying on the cross. He's getting nails in his hands and his feet and, and, and thorns in his head and spear in his side. There's terrible suffering going on. But in the middle of that suffering, we also know there's great victory taking place for you and me, that Jesus is accomplishing something for us. So in the middle of that story, there's two simultaneous things happening. There's terrible suffering going on, but there's also victory happening in the same story. And our lives are like that a lot of times, that sometimes we're going to be suffering through going through something, not because God is bringing anything our way. We just finished a series uh, the resistance, talking about that. We're not believing that God is bringing negative things our way. We know God is good all of the time. He, there's no shadow of change in God. God is not bringing the negative storms into your life. But we know we're living in a broken world. So we're going to be facing these things sometimes simultaneously at our roots... We're going to be in touch with God, knowing Him, growing Him, experiencing Him. And then our, the top part of us, the tree, is going to be facing stuff. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6 tells us this. And all this you greatly rejoice, though now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. This verse is telling us two different things. That you're going to be, you're going to be greatly rejoicing. Because everything is great. And everything is awesome. And you get exactly what you want for Christmas. And nobody cuts you off in the parking lot. And nobody's mean to you in the mall. And you don't feel the need to tweet about all the jerks at the mall this Christmas time. That hey, in the middle of this, we are rejoicing. We are going to be glad when... Though now, for a little while, while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. The same verse is holding these two ideas. That at the center of who we are, we're going to rejoice and be glad. And then we're actually going to be suffering sometimes. Why? Because we live in a broken world. There's going to be stuff going on. There's going to be stuff that we're facing. So can we hold these two ideas in the midst of grief, sometimes in the midst of sadness? Can we also find joy at the center of who we are? See, sometimes we, we try to chase happiness or joy as just a thing in of itself. We're just sort of chasing after joy. We're chasing after happy experiences because we don't actually have any happiness or joy at the center of who we are. And then the, the reverse is actually true, that we actually need to have joy at the center of who we are so that we can bring joy to every circumstance. Not looking to get joy and happiness from other people. From a certain type of Christmas experience or a certain type of Christmas meal. You know, you, you, you sometimes were excited about the Christmas family meal and then sometimes we dread the thought of it. That we're having this Christmas family meal and they are coming. 
Who's they? You know that crazy person in your family. And if you're not sure who it is, it might actually be you. Now, the crazy person in my family doesn't live anywhere close to us, so we're good. We're mostly good. And until we all get together and, you know, we, we, we start to play games in my family. At Christmas time, we, we play board games or something. And generally speaking, I win all of the games, okay? I'm not telling a lie. I'm preaching right now, okay? Until my sister, who tries to gang up with somebody else in my family, they try to defeat me. Is anyone... It played the game Balderdash. Great game. Undefeated Balderdash champion right here. Unless my sister knows somehow that the definition is mine and then she ruins it. You know what I'm saying? She reads it and she, I mean, she just, and she gangs up and then maybe somebody has a chance. And then we might have a fight. We might yell, I don't know, or get really upset in that moment. But then we, we, we make up afterwards. But there's way more serious things than just arguing at over a board game that could happen. And we think about these things that are, that are coming in and around the holiday season, in and around Christmas time. And if I'm only going to have joy if all of these things go perfect, then you might as well forget it. Because everything isn't going to go perfect. Instead of trying to get joy and happiness from the outside, where it needs to come from is on the inside. Joy and happiness needs to come from the roots of who you are. Not just something on the outside, that it actually would come from the inside. So we're not just chasing after happy and joyful experiences that would actually come from the inside of who we are. John chapter 16 verse 20 says this, very truly I tell you, Jesus is speaking, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come, but when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy. That a child is born into the world. So with you, now, your, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice or be glad. And no one will take away your joy. Jesus is talking about these two different experiences. That there's going to be great pain, but in the middle of that situation, in the middle of those circumstances, there is great joy. And he gives the analogy about a woman giving birth. That at, you know, this is what they tell me, the most pa painful thing you can experience uh, in life for a woman is that she's going to give birth to a child. Now, I'm not going to make any jokes here, even though I sense them coming up on the inside. I don't want to offend half the crowd. That the most painful thing a woman can experience is giving a birth to a child. But then it says, afterwards, you forget. Why? Because then you have the child. The thing that was on the inside of you. You get to experience the child and the joy over, supersedes the pain that you face. And this is the way Jesus is saying all life should be like this. That we're going to have joy on the inside of us regardless of what's going on, regardless of what it looks like, regardless of who's coming to Christmas dinner, and regardless of what they're going to say, that I can actually sustain and maintain my joy. Jeremiah chapter 17 says this, Blessed, happy, joyful, is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust 
is in the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out his roots by, by the stream and does not fear when heat comes. For when its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. That we are going to be putting our trust in God. This is what we want to focus on. This Christmas season, this great announcement that Jesus is coming to the earth, it's supposed to bring great joy to us, not great stress to us, not great anguish to us, not great frustration to us. And the season is busy. It's not going to get less busy. You've got a lot of stuff to do. You've got a lot to accomplish. And you can accomplish all of that and you can face all of the stress. Where are we going to... Where are we going to get the strength to do it? Where are we going to get the joy to do it and the happiness to do it? It's going to come from our root system. It's going to come from our root system in God, not just making sure everything is going to go perfect. That none of my cookies are going to burn and none of my food is going to burn. That I'm going to do something bad in the kitchen and make everybody upset at me. No, it's going to come from the inside of me. That I'm going to be putting my trust in God. Philippians chapter 4. We're almost done this morning. Ellen, come on up. Philippians chapter 4, verse 10. Now the Apostle Paul is writing to the Philippian church. And this church had been going for a little while. And, and they would support Paul. They would send him offerings. And then he, he's sort of talking a little bit about these offerings that they were sending to him. And it says this in verse 10. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that at, now at length you have revived your concern for me. So in other words, they, he hadn't received an offering from them to help them to do his ministry, but now they've given to him again. And he says, you were indeed concerned for, for me, but you had no opportunity. So he wasn't mad at them. He was just saying, you just didn't have an opportunity to give. He was like, don't worry about it. Verse 11, now that I am speaking... Of being in need, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. What did he say? He said, I've learned how, regardless of what situation I'm in, I've learned how to be content. And this is part of the learning of growing up. That we have this romantic view of happiness and joy as a young person. That everything is going to be great and everything is going to be easy. And everything is going to be simple. Nothing is going to be complicated. None of my friends would ever betray me. No one would ever speak behind my back negatively. But see, Paul has gone through a bunch of stuff. He's faced tons of difficulty. He's lost friends. He's been whipped. He's been beaten. He's had struggles. He's faced all the responsibility of all the churches that he's planted. But in the midst of all of that difficulty, he says something. I have learned how to be content. I know how to be brought low. Does anyone know what he's talking about? And I know how to abound. I know sometimes in life I'm, it, it's something sends me down. Something hurts bad. I faced a real difficult situation that's caused me pain. That's caused me a struggle. Paul says, I, I know about that. I know how to be low. And he says, I also know how to be bound. I, I do abound that, that great things are going on. 
that there's, it seems like there's extra blessings in my life right now. He says, I, I've learned these two things. And he says, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger to diametrically opposed circumstances. Abundance and need. Verse 13. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. King James says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do it whether I'm abounding or whether I find myself low right now. Whether the Christmas bonus came in or the Christmas bonus didn't come in. Regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the situation, regardless of the triumph or the struggle, that how am I going to do these things? How am I going to live life? How am I going to find joy and happiness that God wants me to have and God wants me to experience, that He wants me to live this blessed life? That I could do all these things through Christ. That I, my roots are not just in my experiences. The foundation of who I am is not just whether it's great today or whether it's bad today. But I don't let the inside of me go crazy with this and go crazy with this. That I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Last verse. 2 Corinthians Chapter 4, verse 17 says this. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient or temporary. But the things that are unseen are eternal. Eternal. Don't change. Jesus came that we would have eternal life. Now, eternal life is not just a quantity of life. Eternal life is a type of living. And it's the type of living that starts now. It's not, it's not Jesus has call, called us into eternal living after we die. It is the type of life that he gives us now. Right now. What does eternal life look like? It's a life rooted in him. That we would put our trust in Him. And we're going to find joy in Him. And when we find our joy and happiness in Him, it makes it easier for us to deal with the difficult people. Not running to the hills so we don't have to deal with the difficult people. That He strengthens us to deal with the difficult people. And the stress. And the busyness. And the stuff of life. That I'm not just staring at these temporary things. Because we know life changes. It doesn't always stay the same. And if you're facing something right now and it's weighing you down, and it's a big struggle for you and it's really painful. The scripture is telling us, don't stare at that because that thing is changeable and it's changing. That I am going to look at the eternal, that I'm going to look at the eternal God who strengthens me. And who gives me forgiveness. And who gives me mercies, new mercies every morning. Not just one day, not just on Sunday. 
not just when they sing my favorite song or my, my favorite Christmas carol or I preach your favorite sermon that every day with God our roots down in Him we can experience His mercy and His grace and His love and He changes us and then we can bring joy to life from down deep on the inside of us let's just pray this morning Heavenly Father we just thank you for your love today we thank you for your joy that you give us your joy, that your joy is our strength. Lord, and we need your joy in this season. The season of busyness and stress and all of the things that are going on in our lives, within our family, within our finances, with the busyness of our jobs and our careers, Lord, we need and we desire your joy. Lord, and forgive us if we've been looking for joy and happiness in anything but you. That we want to send our roots deep down into you. That we would trust you. Because you give us life. The life that you give, Father, is the life that we want to live. We just thank you for that joy in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you need prayer or would like to share how this message has impacted you, please email info at thecitychurch.ca.